Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. But I know we say this frequently, but uh, for it to be an episode recorded in May, we've got an awful lot of stuff to get to. Full show tonight, so much so that we may even have to end up doing uh, two shows this week. Whether do we do one, whether we do two, always a big thank you to the people at Louisiana Hot Sauce and Tarpon Cellars. Tarpon Cellars, fantastic uh partner for us people that we're really excited to work with particularly as we get closer to football season tailgate season uh it's t-a-r-p-o-n-c-e-l-l-a-r-s.com tarpon sellers uh founded by two florida state people young guys who have had an awful lot of success uh in the wine industry people that we're ever so happy to be able to work with again and uh with bud we'll thank them and we'll jump straight into tonight's nolcast dude let's do it big time show here and we need to start with the biggest news, no, not that Florida State is getting a new president. No, not that they very well may get a big-time transfer guard. Chaz Neal is no longer on Florida State's roster. He has entered the transfer portal, and I, I am coming very close to having to find a new position to really worry about because this was always sort of the this was sort of the position where if you had to break glass in case of emergency, your backup plan being Chaz Neal meant that your season was just over, right? I, I mean, we said it when they signed him, the worst player we'd ever seen them offer a take commitment from at the high school level. We speculated that they were doing it just to get Evan Neal, although the staff that offered him isn't even the staff that was there by the time they were recruiting Evan Neal. Um where, where are we? What do you say about this? This is. Do you think he was like highly coveted by others? I this kind of took me off guard a little bit because I I thought that he was a guy that was just going to graduate and go go pro in something other than sports. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I thought that was kind of the the understood path that everybody was was operating on and and being kind of uh, under the assumption was was that how this was going to play out. I'm. Um, I am surprised by this, bud. Not, and neither of us are trying to dunk on a kid, right? So the things we say in the next couple minutes, certainly not personal. By all accounts, a good kid who we wish the best of luck to. Um, one, very surprised by this. And two, you know, we'll have to see whether or not, uh, and obviously Cade Madden will be a discussion on tonight's podcast, whether or not you bring that kid in. But it does feel like we are – getting close to kind of closing the book on an era that surrounded, uh, you know, the sum of all fears tied to this position group. And and that is guys like Neil, some of the other names that we've mentioned for two, three years now that, you know, if you're out there, um, are not just going to Juwan Williams. Yeah. Not uh, just going to get beat, get beat 95% of plays, get beat in manner that looks more like a, a, you know, a middle school mismatch of talent type uh, disparity, uh, from what you have and and the <laughs> the level that, that you're trying to block, so uh, certainly wish him the best. But it does feel like we're, you know, and maybe we're just being uh, hopeful and and uh, you know presumptuous in a positive manner. But it does feel like maybe we're starting to exit that era of uh, just the worst of the worst ideas of what the offensive line could look like. I'm having trouble saying this a straight face, but did you read the ESPN article on coaches complaining about tampering? Uh, I am familiar with it. Yes, I am. Do you think there was tampering at all in this case? Uh, I mean, there'd be a, 
there there would certainly be some uh, irony involved if it is that. And I we'll have to see where he lands. I I had some names, you know, thrown my way. Uh, I I was born and raised in a big Florida State household, but as I've told people all along, didn't go to a didn't go to Florida State. Went to a D three school and. One of the names that was thrown out there was a school that I specifically remember seeing Hampton Sydney play. So, you know, maybe he'll go somewhere else, but Hampton I don't Sydney think is D3. D3, yes, D3. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you... wouldn't shock me if that's not where this kid, I don't think you were going to hear about this kid landing at like a, you know, a Georgia Southern type program or something like that. I, I think it's a, I think it's a, It'll be interesting to see where he ultimately ends up and, and wish him the best. This does kind of seem like jumping with no parachute. Uh, I mean, look, everybody's free to make their own decisions. And I, I feel like in four or five years, we are actually going to have fewer kids jump in the transfer portal because they're going to have more stories where coaches can point to and say, Hey man, this kid jumped in. He had a scholarship here. He had a full ride. He had to go to an NAIA school or, you know, a D3 school or a D2 school who took him just to say, Hey, we got a Florida state transfer. Um, if I was to set the over under at at FCS, so FCS is a push, right? FBS being over under FCS, so D two or worse being under. What would you take? I'd take the under right now. So not scholarship level because FCS does give you know scholarships to most of their kids. I think I agree. Like that's, yeah, I'm I'm going to go under on that too. Uh, but it it does. Now, if we talk about the back of offensive linemen, it's not that they're good or even average or below average. Like some of them are probably, if you had to put them in a game, bad, but they're not, I don't believe, like instant pressure, every single snap graded out of zero type bad. You know, they're, they're not Juwan Williams, second half or first half against Syracuse type bad. Um, that was, that's kind of an all timer for that. But yeah, that closes the book on, on the very, uh, very interesting chapter that we were kind of questioning immediately when 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 he was taken. Uh, intriguing body, I guess, remains so. Somebody who's a little bit more proven, uh, shifting gears here, is a player named Kane Madden, uh, one of the top offensive linemen in the FBS, uh, especially at, at the G5 level, guard for Marshall. Kane Madden jumped in the transfer portal, man, and immediately FSU uh, was on him. I initially, by the way, asked some folks I know at Marshall, and they told me they thought he was going to go to South Carolina because South Carolina had just hired Marshall's offensive line coach. But uh, it sounds like South Carolina uh, is not going to be the destination for him. And FSU is throwing bodies at this problem and trying to throw more. I think we can confidently say that. And this would be a different level of body uh, if they could they could get this kid. I, I don't want to make him out to be uh, too much, but this would be a uh, difference maker in my opinion. Now, you know, certainly if you could go find a uh, a future you know second round pick at offensive tackle, that would be great. I just don't know if that's going to come to fruition, and if it does, if this program uh, would be given the slightest consideration, I, I think this is a would be by far the top level of talent that you could hope to find. I would, uh, you know, we talk about uh, closing the book on a chapter uh, with Chaz Neal leaving. I've got to say, if you're able to add Madden, and it certainly looks positive, um, by no means a done deal, but if you're able to add Madden, I really think that you will have a, 
addressed a need in a manner in which uh, is, you know, something that gives you a lot, a lot of optimism about the short term, but also gives you an idea as to this coaching staff's ability to uh, get out there and, and address a roster. I, I would be exceptionally optimistic about uh, both the long end and, uh, you know, the longer term implications uh, that you could make from that. And also the fact that you'd be adding, you know, a, a guy that is probably going to play uh, in the NFL for a decent period of time to your roster at a position that you desperately need somebody like that. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a guy I think will get drafted that that would be a, a, a big time deal. I, also, I, I think you need to give some credit here if they pull this off. And at this point, I, I kind of think they will, they're, they're going to get the first visit from him in early June if they pull this off, I think you need to give some credit to Kenny Dillingham here, who I don't even say took a risk, but he kind of took a risk retweeting all these, you know, Kane Madden to Tallahassee hashtag tweets over the weekend. And it looks like he retweeted, I don't know, just scrolling here through the hash, like maybe a hundred, uh, quite, quite a few and uh, enough to where certainly, you know, Madden and folks around him took notice. So that, that seems to have, potentially paid off now if it doesn't work then you know whatever i i don't think it's a, a huge huge deal you also have a lot of players tweeting about get kane matt in tallahassee kind of a weird feeling if you're on that offensive line maybe right and they just took another offensive lineman from notre dame uh and now they're taking kane madden but i think everybody has enough common sense to realize that that's been the worst unit on this team for quite some time although maybe tight end has passed it now let me ask you this Obviously, well, okay, I'm going to hold off a second on asking because I want to bring up something else. I think the main competition right now, just from the sources I checked with over there, is the Hokies. Virginia Tech is also likely to get him on, in on a visit if he doesn't shut it down when he visits FSU. Obviously, FSU is going to try to get him to shut things down. But between Madden and the Notre Dame kid, if they get Madden, they think they have two new starters, just from another person I, I spoke with over there today. That was interesting to me because I wasn't sure, right, that, that, that the Notre Dame kid is going to be a, a definite starter. But the person I was speaking with kind of was speaking like, yeah, decent chance there. Do you think that aggressively using their final two scholarships on offensive line transfers, does that indicate to you that they are you know, more worried about Devontae, Love's ta Devontae Love Taylor's recovery, uh, you know, Dante Pope's development, Garrett Schrader's recovery from his, his, his leg injury. Like what, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it certainly could be that it could also mean that maybe you see, you know, a kid pop in the portal that wouldn't otherwise. Uh, so they'll, you know, there'll probably be some, some cause and effect here if you are able to add Madden, but ultimately I think it's, uh, you know, look, there, there may be more to it. There may be in somebody's, uh, you know, somebody's physical therapy hasn't uh, had positive response or, or uh, feedback recently. There may be more to it, but in my opinion, this is more coaching staff uh, saying, Hey, look, what do we have to throw at a problem? We've got numbers. Uh, let's throw as, as sure of a as much of a sure thing as we can find in the portal at it and address a, uh, you know, an issue that's uh, been present in this program since we've been here and, and really two years uh, maybe three years before we got here. So uh, I, you know, there may be more to it. I would be inclined to believe that it is more just a coaching staff looking to address the most glaring need on its roster. I think that's, that's pretty fair. I, 
Yeah, I, I'm skeptical that they're going to have Garrett Schrader for this season. I think he's probably more of a 2022 play or or maybe second half, you know, of the uh, of the season with Pope. Who knows? You just you kind of never know what you're going to get there. Devontae Taylor, though, I, I do believe that they are expecting him to start. That's just kind of my my take on that. Madden's a good player, man. I know you're you're facing a much different level of competition in the CUSA, you know, the Conference USA, which is what Marshall's in, than you're facing in the ACC. The ACC is going to send quite a few guys to the league on your schedule in the defensive line. The CUSA does not. But he still is a fairly dominant player at that level, and that would be a big get for them. And I, I agree with you. I think just picking up two guys who are our starter level is absolutely worth it and and something that you should do, especially because you know that that is a position that uh, normally suffers injuries, but also a position at which you have a lot of guys who, and I don't, I don't think it's totally fair to use the injury-prone term, and yet I'm going to use it here ever so briefly. Uh, like you have some guys who have a decent injury history. And if you look at this, how does this season go really south? You can tell me, oh, the defense doesn't get any better. I think if that happens, you probably have bigger systemic issues that you need to address. But I think one of the obvious ways that it goes south is you get a couple injuries on the offensive line. You didn't bring in enough help. You have to play guys who aren't ready to play. It renders your transfer quarterback, McKenzie Milton, ineffective because he's not all that mobile anymore because he almost lost his leg, you know, and thus you took him for basically no reason. You have to play Jordan Travis the whole time. The schedule's tougher than it was last year, probably. And, you know, you go you go three and nine. I think this kind of takes away that three and nine option. And it, I won't say totally, but like there's a chance that if you get Kane Madden that you basically guarantee you won't go four and eight. Not not fully guaranteed, but I do think if you get Kane Madden, I feel pretty confident saying you will not go, you know, three and nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see uh, how it goes. I mean, the the Virginia Tech me- uh, reference there is only probably about an hour away from uh, from Marshall, and I believe Madden's a kid from that's uh, that's from Southern Ohio. So, uh, you know, if he wants to be close to home, that would certainly be a, uh, a more palatable option, perhaps. And for they've him. put some guys in the league too, mm-hmm. uh, and, and had some had some pretty nice offensive line players there in recent years. But I think there's also people that think that that program is a mess. And people who say, wait a second, if money wasn't such an issue after COVID last year, wouldn't they have fired Fuente? I don't know the exact answer to that, but I know it's certainly a question that has come up. Uh, and, you know, there were a lot of people last year who, when they called that that press conference, certainly if you, if you recall this, if you guys don't cover the Hokies, you probably don't. But there was an email sent out to the media and it said, uh, Whit Babcock, the AD, will discuss – uh, the future of the football program and a press conference tomorrow at such and such time. And basically everybody who covers Virginia tech, uh, they thought it meant that they were firing Fuente. Like that's, that was their like assumption going into that thing. And then they sent a follow-up email. They're like, just to clarify, Justin Fuente, will talk about uh, the, the signing class. To, you know, it's like, Oh, wait a second. Okay. They're not firing him. But like, that was the default assumption that they had. So uh, certainly interesting there. I think they have a pretty good shot by the way. Like a really good shot. Would be a hell of an ad, man. Would be a, a, a real big ad and something that uh, hopefully comes to fruition and we can talk about. So. And he starts for them, no doubt. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure Notre Dame, you know, will start, but the, Cade Madden will come in and start regardless. Yeah. 
Yep. Significant, significant upgrade of talent there. So uh, before we get to our next subject, but I'll just be real honest with the, uh, the listeners here. <laughs> um, a friend of yours called me at 11 o'clock on Saturday night. You ran into him. Uh, he did like a uh, impression of me opening the show, which I thought was pretty good. Oh, it was, it great. was, uh, it was uh, you know, I've, I've heard some good ones, but then he pivoted immediately to me, uh, you know, uh, uh, abruptly interrupting you and telling you there was only one way to, or there's more <laughs> than one way to skin a cat. And it's been one of the funnier things and it's been living in my head for two or three days. And it's what I constantly hear uh, as we're about 20 minutes into the show. And so I just thought I would voice that and maybe I'll stop hearing my own feedback in my mind or at least a guy uh, trying to sound like me in a manner that was uh, uh, mildly disturbing. It was fairly accurate. So that was a blast. Uh, sh- shout out to Doug uh, for his 37th birthday. That was that, that was very good time on Saturday night. I'm a voice back, so that, that's also pretty good. Um, so, yeah, man. Uh, next topic. I guess there are more than one ways to get the six wins. The question is, will you get the six wins? DraftKings which is not an official sponsor of the Nolcast. If they wanted to be, we would not object now that Florida is basically going to legalize gambling in the state. I might be able to place a sports wager. That'd be pretty cool. First time in my life, obviously, uh, to do do so in the state. Um, they put their season win totals out for FSU. We talked about some of their uh, their single-game lines. We've told you guys we think that FSU will be you know, pretty significant underdogs in five games, favored in uh, – probably three, maybe four games, and then relative toss-ups, kind of within a field goal-ish in in the remaining games. Uh, So if you were following that conversation, you probably did not – you probably were not that surprised when the win total for DraftKings came out at five and a half with uh, actually juice to the under. So (laughs) Juice the other way. Yeah. Uh, I am not looking to bet this right now. But I got to tell you, if I was going to bet it, that my lean is actually to the over here. I know kind of shocking being positive here on the Noel cast. But I, I do think, I, I just think it's more likely that they that they find a way to get to six. And that's, I say that with, like, I'm a guy that really likes NC State. I think NC State's going to be a hell of an out. But they're going to beat their FCS opponent. They're going to beat UMass. They're going to beat Syracuse. You know, there's there's three. Can you pull an upset in any of those five games in which you're an underdog? Clemson's a no. At Florida is probably a no unless they really crater and Dan Mullen is serious about doing the NFL thing or just trying to get out of town or if they just really get tired of them. You know, like I, you could you could paint a weird like end of season picture where they're hell like 2010 Florida, right? Where that was Myers last year and that team was not playing anywhere near its talent level. And FSU really kind of kicked their butts. But I, I have a feeling in the back of my mind that we might be slightly underestimating, slightly, the improvement that teams who had a first year coach last year might make this year that's not like a hey they're going to get to seven wins or eight wins if i thought they're going to get the seven wins i'd bet the hell out over five and a half Mm -hmm. right i mean i i think that they're just 
if I had to take this, I would not pay significant juice to bet the under on five. Because I feel like four and eight is pretty damn unlikely. And that only really gives you one outcome in which you'd win this bet on the under. Granted, I think seven and five is also fairly unlikely, but seven and five might be a little bit more likely than four and eight. And I, I'm kind of coming around on the idea that six and six might be more likely than five and seven, just because they're building up the depth. And, and I, I, it's, I have a hard time believing that they, they can't beat a Louisville, even though I don't really love that matchup, you know, Boston college, wake forest, th- those type teams. Do you think five and a half is appropriate? Yeah, I think it, it is. Um, I'll be interesting, you know, look, if I was going to do a podcasting for dummies class, I would tell uh, aspiring podcasters out there, not necessarily to time date your podcast uh, unless necessary. I will say we're recording at 10 o'clock on Tuesday evening. If we wake up Wednesday morning, bud and Cade Madden's declared for Florida state, um, I would go pretty aggressively at five and a half. I mean, I, I really would. And maybe I'm just being, uh, wildly optimistic there, but uh, yeah, I mean, I could certainly, I think it's appropriate number. It's interesting as to where the action was on the number. I think it's a, you know, humbling reminder as to where Florida state is right now. And while the long-term uh, prospectus of the program may be at what we perceive to be a, a decent positive uh, trajectory uh, that in the here and now, and looking at a pretty tough season, but yeah, I would be interested to see how that number would respond uh, if they were to add another uh, really high quality piece in the portal. I will also note that early in the year, these numbers are, are kind of all over the board, right? Um, as far as, you know, like what, what different books have right now, only one book has season win totals out. Now I think the South point will put theirs out pretty soon. I mean, I'm not completely convinced of that, but like there are games out there right now and the limits are small on all these. You, you can't get out there you know, and bet 10,000 on one of these, they, they, just, they, they won't take it. They're only, they're only taking, you know, pretty small pops on these. So, well, yeah, I, I think the guys who are ready to bet these numbers, you know, over or under are actually usually kind of sharp um, because they've done their research and they're more informed than your average recreational better would be. Uh, they're also not moving tons of money and the groups that are going to move, you know, 50,000 on something like this, if they can, they're not going to bet it yet because they're tipping their hand as to what they want to do. And the casino is just not going to take that much money. And thus they'll actually move the line quite a bit. And that will, uh, if you're actually betting on the side, you want to bet, it will actually decrease the value of the bet you can put down when you can actually get down some real money on it. But there are big time differences in some of these spreads right now at different casinos. You know, for instance, Ohio state is favored over Oregon at one place by 13 and over Oregon at another place by nine in the regular season you never see that like that's not a thing mm-hmm. that happens ever i mean that that's a that, that's a four point middle or like this early in the summer people don't care because you're like they're you're not going to hit them for that big of money so this is not like the definitive thing that will definitely happen i will tell you that i would be absolutely shocked if if anybody hangs a number uh half a win you know like more than half a win greater like if somebody hangs a five flat or a six flat, okay. I think everybody will probably hang five and a half because if you hang six, you're going to get all all under money. If they hung six, I'd bet the under. Even though I think six wins is probably the most likely outcome, 
I do think five and seven is more likely than seven and five. And I have the push protection, you know, on, like I get, I get the refund on six wins. So I think it will be five and a half, but I'm not totally convinced that the juice will end up heavily to the under here. Uh, and I think some of the projection models this year have some real issues because the data that they are going to use and the, the year in which they value the most is going to be the most recent year. And yet we know the most recent year had a lot of problems with the data just because of, of how these teams operated with COVID, especially with teams who had a first time head coach last year. So I, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, as people do a little more research into this, they, they see, you know, who might be starting. It's not like we're projecting FSU to be a good team this year, right? Can they be a, a top 60 type team? You know, okay. Can they be like a top 50 type team or like a top 45 type team? If you're like a top 45 type team, I'm fairly confident you can make a bowl. If you're top 60, not as confident. But I I, I guess what I would what I'm this is kind of really rambling, apologies, but I would not you know, 1 million percent read into, Hey, look at how quickly this juice went to the under, because I know what the size of these bets that DraftKings is going to take. And they're just not like, they're a recreational book. They're, they're not a true market maker. They're not going to take huge money on the sports book side. And I know they, they take some decent sized money on the DFS side, but that's just kind of my opinion on, on, on that one. Uh, speaking of something that I have a pretty solid opinion on, it's actually calling 844 FSU loan. If you call 844 FSU loan, you will, you will get hooked up with the legendary team. Guys, this is where to get your home loan. Shannon and Chad do an amazing job. They want to support Knowles. It's Knowles loaning Knowles. 150 plus Knollcast listeners have now used them. It's awesome. We just got another batch of t-shirts to send off the other day. And uh, so congrats on, on that to the new homeowners. Just, just an awesome company and something I've used twice. Been extremely satisfied both times. I get all the, the, the refi letters in the mail. Hey, you want to refi? Nope, just put it right in the trash. Shannon, those guys hooked me up the first time, did it right, and uh, extremely excited to continue using them in the future. 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN. They will work with you. Knowledge of the industry, commitment to customer care. Give them a shout. Tell me say. So real quickly, bud, we'll just hit a couple of recruiting kind of quick hitters here. Want to draw your attention to Elijah Pritchett, <clears throat> kid out of Columbus, Georgia, uh, both in the fact that he's an offensive tackle prospect and uh, really intriguing. What, wait, what position was that? Offensive tackle. Oh, yes. oh, okay. Please continue. Yeah, yeah. Offensive tackle with offers from such schools as Alabama and Georgia and many others. Um I look at this as a situation where maybe you could see Florida state have a, a better chance here than possible. And, and yes, we're talking about the Pritchett kid, but also um, some other situations similar to this uh, that may present themselves in this class and the next uh, to where you are, you know, battling the, the very bluest of the bloods uh, when it comes to college football's programs, but you could look at that Pritchett kid and talk to him about maybe being a three or four year starter. You could talk to him about going to Georgia and Alabama and maybe playing in year three. So maybe this is the type of situation to where you see Florida state start to have wins over programs like that. Again, I'm not sitting here. So talking so much about this uh, individual kid as intriguing as he is, uh, but it will be interesting to see how matchups like this over the next couple of years 
take shape. And in my opinion, uh, you know, this is the type of situation where you start to see a Florida State get a recruiting win over a Georgia, over an Alabama, uh, schools of that elk. Yeah, he, he's a big-time national prospect. Um, I, I don't want to pour water in this. I agree with you. This is a, a pretty decent litmus test for, for where they are as a program. Um, the one thing I'm going to say here, and look, I don't think they're going to sign him. If I had to pick right now, I would pick Alabama. Steve Wilfong has a confidence of seven on Alabama, which is fairly high for, for Steve uh, at this point in the cycle for you know, commitment that's not imminent. He keeps showing up on campus. He's going to be down in early June again. And kids who just show up to campus all the time and find a way to keep getting down to campus and keep visiting and keep vibing with the coaching staff and the players, inevitably, some of those kids do end up picking you as long as you're just not absolutely terrible on the field. Now, it's not great that you're fighting Alabama, who you know just had a first-rounder in Alex Leatherwood at his position is going to have another first rounder next year, almost certainly in Evan Neal at his position and maybe another one the year after too. Uh, so that's, you know, that's a difficult thing to fight, right? <laughs> like you're, you're talking about, Hey, can you find somebody to play backup for you? Who, you know, if you were to transfer, wouldn't get turned down by D three schools. Uh, it's a little bit different level, especially at that position right now. But I, I think, if you had to say, like, hey, who's a, who's a coach on the staff who could punch way above his weight class in recruiting? I would probably point to Alex Atkins as a major guy there. I think Marcus Woodson does, does a very nice job as well. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not picking FSU in this right now, but I think it's an interesting one to bring up. We, we had a couple questions about him as well in, in, the, uh, in, in the Patreon questions and in the email questions. So I'm glad you brought that up he does seem to just keep coming to campus and that's, that's to the staff's credit. Well, the other thing is you might ask me, well, Hey, bud, if you don't think you're going to get them, why, like, why are they wasting their time? And my response to you is a, I do think they have good backup plans who they're like recruiting actively as well. B you're not going to tell the kid to stop coming to your campus. He, he likes you. For sure. I mean, you, upsets do happen. Not all that often when you're facing Alabama, but they, they do happen. Uh, so, you know, certainly worth, worth continuing to pursue. And, and it's great news for FSU that he keeps, keeps popping up on campus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you keep the relationship there, particularly uh, with any type of offensive tackle prospect. The fact that he's from a, a school like Harvard Columbus, uh, which is a, a pretty decent talent factory in its own right, certainly helps. And yeah, I mean, you keep a kid there, you keep uh, bringing him on campus. And then, uh, you know, maybe one one night in December, you look at a kid and you really talk to him about uh, not just joining a program, but being a, again, this is where I, I think Florida State gets its first type of wins here is with a kid like this that you can look in the eye and talk about being a starter in six months and where, you know, maybe some of these other programs can't. So um, yeah, we'll move from, from one uh, talent high school, talented high school prospect to a kid uh, that is currently uh, looking to find his next program. Xavier Peters, an old uh, name from Florida state past active over social media uh, recently talking about how, uh, you know, thought a lot of his time in Tallahassee and hopes to be, uh, aren't, you know, just on the radar, it would seem. I don't think anything's going to necessarily uh, come out of this. Had some questions about Peters as well. 
But if you're of a different opinion, no, uh, please I, I have a stronger that, I opinion than you. Believe the, the they, book is is closed on this. They're one. not going to take back Xavier Peters. Is he even eligible? Like academic? He's still got two. Well, yeah, I can't speak to his academics. So, uh, believe he would still have two years left to play at this point. Yeah, I would be. Uh... Yeah, we've we've said uh, we've yeah. said what we need. There's to say There's no here. way. Just I, just wanted to address. If it. they were to get if Xavier Peters <laughs> plays before State again, I will. I will personally cover all of our bar tabs together, not out of the NoCast account, but as my, out of my personal account. Uh, like for as long as we do this podcast. Okay. Well, that's a that's a dangerous proposition, certainly. But uh... right. That's why, that 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 that, <laughs> that, that, I, that reflects my reflective of level. your degree of confidence, huh? Okay. Yeah. But Elliot, not an individual necessarily to go getting himself in bad predicaments when it comes to situations like those. So yeah, I'll let that uh, speak for itself. So finally, just wanted to um, <clears throat> get your opinions on this. Hey, look, you can go look at the long list of kids that Florida State has lined up here to come in uh, in the first seven days of June. Uh, tons of talent from the 22 class, or the, from the 23 class is really uh, wildly impressive what they've lined up. I just wanted to get your opinion, what this looks like, kind of what the uh, trail of information uh, that comes out of a weekend, out of a week like this, kind of what we can glean from kids who, as they have their first opportunities to go look at a school, uh, maybe what coaches are going to take away based off who chooses to visit when. Uh, just give us your opinion, kind of how this uh, process plays itself out. And obviously this is a, an unknown as it's never occurred before, but as you get, uh, you know, this limitation lifted and kids can go on campus officially uh, for the first time in what, 14, 15 months, uh, what it's going to look like and, and how it's going to impact the recruiting landscape. Yeah, well, as everybody knows, the visits are opening back up. Uh, May has been an incredibly quiet month for uh, for commitments and, and recruiting, obviously. But there's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. I know we had a couple questions about this, actually, in, in, in our Patreon as well. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see who FSU is able to get on campus. I, I know they're, they think they're going to be able to get Jalen Early on campus. Um, as you already noted, Pritchett. Also, have you seen the, the Valentha kid? Out of uh, at out of Georgia, up your way. Uh, I'm not familiar with him. No. So he this is a pretty interesting prospect, and I, I was told that he's also likely to be visiting in early June. Uh, I don't know if if Knowles 24/7 has on her list. If they don't, I'm going to text uh, Zach. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're expecting him to come come down for a visit in June. Uh, so Falintha Carswell is a player who has picked up a lot of interest in recent weeks. He, he plays for a Washington County in Sandersville, Georgia. We talk want to play our kid. favorite game. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is, this is not fair. Um, you already yeah, know where Washington I, County I, is. I, I know this one quite well. Yeah. This is where uh, the guy who, you know, I fell in love with recruiting for, as a, as a nine-year-old of my cousin's friend was the number one recruit. Uh, oh, we did talk about back this. position in the country. They went to play Washington County in the, uh, in the playoffs and the number one linebacker in the middle linebacker in the country was a kid who ultimately signed with Florida state named Demetrio Stevens. He was the starting linebacker on the 98 team. Um, Georgia tech had a three-year starter at linebacker. And then Takeo spikes was the, uh, was the third member of that linebacking core there. And Washington County is a, you know, not uh, also, I believe the place where most of the Edwards kids, the uh, Terrence Edwards and, and the kind of, 
Edwards lineage, where all those Georgia players came from for a period of time. So very talented area, kind of halfway between um, <clears throat> Augusta and Atlanta. Uh, good, good spot to find a high school football player. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited to see him come in. We, as we spoke about on a couple of podcasts ago, you know, 6'7", 275. He was a hooper who now is, I think, more focusing on football. Uh, Georgia Tech, Miami, Old Miss, Oregon have offered. He's going to hit a whole bunch of schools, I was told. So we'll see uh, kind of where his recruitment stands after that. Now, one important note here is that football this year, and, and this is something I don't know we brought up on this podcast before, but it's very important. Football is now operating under the basketball rule. And the basketball rule means if you bring a kid in for a visit and he's a senior, so he's going to be a senior, right? Like he's, he's already finished his junior year of high school, which obviously all these kids in the 22 class have. You can work them out and go through the medicals with them. That normally was not able to happen except under certain circumstances on an official visit. But now on an unofficial visit, you can actually put them through a workout. So it's less important now that these rising seniors actually come to your camps because you're able to put them in one-on-one workouts and see, you know, hey, does this kid have that dog mentality, right? Like how, how does he like to work? Can he bend? If he's been hurt, how does, like, let's take, have our medical guys take a look at him, work him out, see how, how he moves around. Does he favor that leg that was hurt or whatever? I would fully expect for them to be able to, to get a little workout in with Carswell here when he gets in town. So that's something very important there um, as well to check out. And I think you're going to do that with a lot of these kids, especially these kids they haven't seen, which is going to be almost all of them, right? Uh, especially the dudes who are there a little bit more uncertain about. Another name I want, to, I want to point out here is a guy that FSU offered, what, last week or two weeks ago? No, it was, it was last week. Uh, Quavion Carter. This is a guy I've been hearing a lot about from some staffs. FSU's been impressed with him. Now, he was a receiver who has kept growing. He's listed as a safety on 24-7 sports. He's actually he's at Lee County, which is where Quayshon Sapp and uh, – oh, shoot. Uh, what's his name who committed to Georgia Tech, the, the kid who thinks he's a safety? Yeah, uh, the Jaron Kill. Kid. Yeah, Jaron Willis. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure Quavion Carter long-term – is a linebacker and maybe a pretty good one. I mean, 6'4", 200, playing safety. A guy who's pretty raw because he was a receiver, but he's actually – he's not one of these, hey, I'm a receiver, I'm, I'm athletic, I'm going to move around, and that's it types. He actually hits people. I'm extremely excited to see what they're going to be able to get with him. Um, Nigel Lee Kelly's going to be coming in. I know they're, they're pretty excited about that. At some point, they, they, they will get Wesley Basanth up too, and – the last two guys I just mentioned there, Nigel Lee Kelly and, and Wesley Basanth, the, the linebacker, they feel like they're still in good positions with those guys. Even though Kelly decommitted from, from the Knowles, they still feel like they're in a pretty good spot. Not like a, hey, we're locked to get him spot, but that they're still confident in their pitch and uh, they they think they're they're in a good spot there. So they're going to bring, bring in a ton of talent in addition to the mega camp, which is going to be, I think, uh, yeah, pretty big positive for uh, – for building relationships. And I will also note, dude, probably pretty positive for Madison Social and Township because they might have 2,500 campers that day. You got to feed them somewhere. You got to. 
and, and, and they're, they're not ordering well food to... for all these kids i guarantee yeah. you yeah like right right go, uh, go to a place that's friendly with a program most certainly might have to just go over to one, one of the <clears throat> best places to eat in tallahassee for our money the absolute best og sponsors of the Nolcast, madison social and township great restaurants run by our friend matt and you know it would just it would work out, right? Like they're they're huge supporters of the program over there in College Town. Let's just see if we can get some of those mega campers to our main sponsor. What do you think? Absolutely, I, I know that they've uh, you know pointed individuals in that direction before with full confidence that they'd be able to uh, you know find a, a high quality meal, a, a great pretzel uh, such as we've enjoyed in the past, and uh, extra salt. Hey, if it's good enough for Travis Hunter, but is good enough for any of these mega campers or any other prospects that they may be looking at. So, yeah, uh, tip of the hat to to the OG sponsor there, as you said. Also, uh, Raylan Wilson will, will be on FSU's campus in early June as well. Another thing I picked up is that they are not hosting official visitors if they can, if they can avoid doing so during the mega camp, uh, simply okay. because they, they don't want to uh, – like it's just hard to devote, you know, time. Now, if that's the only time a kid can come in, okay. But for the most part, they want to avoid doing it. Makes sense. Certainly makes sense. Okay. Uh, real quickly, let's talk about some of this national perception that seems to have Florida state uh, on the uptick. Uh, saw you're the, uh, the individual there at two, four, seven, Josh, Josh, Pate. Uh, Josh Pate talk about buying stock in Florida state recruiting, uh, that's always a, a good thing to see. Wanted to get your opinion. He tweeted to, that today, right? Tuesday. And this had a good uh, old Gordon Gecko image attached to it, if I remember correctly. Uh, been a, a long talk about that, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, people like Chuck Oliver, a, a syndicated radio host here in Atlanta, who's recently contacted me or others asking about uh, his perception, his positive perception of Florida State. Um, it certainly seems to have landed on the radar of some that this program at least is, is starting to uh, walk in the right direction. So I think there's a couple things going on here. First of all, I do think that there are a decent number of coaches on this staff who are good recruiters. I'm not convinced in all of them, but I think, you know, you have some guys who are, are pretty good recruiters. I think they've done a nice job, you know, recruiting back office staff as well and, uh, and getting some dudes who can establish those relationships and, and be organized. So that that that's part of it. Um, I think another part of it is that you know Florida is just not stepping on necks like they should be, right? Florida State and to some extent Miami are down and they haven't taken advantage of it quite like an Urban Meyer or Ron Zook or a motivated Steve Spurrier would. And the third part uh, that I would point out, and this is something that Noel Cast listeners have been hearing me say for a couple months now is that a whole lot of schools out there are just not going to take very many high schoolers this cycle. They just don't have room for it in their opinion. And they're trying to win more in the immediate term. Whereas FSU is in kind of a, kind of a slow build intentionally because they realize that the kind of hole they're in roster wise. FSU is probably going to take 21, 22 high school players. That is like double the amount that a lot of schools are going to take. Now that does not mean that they're going to end up as a top five class. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll sniff top five because the very best schools out there are still going to take the majority of high schoolers, but there's a lot of programs sort of in that, that sort of decent to middle ground that are, they're going to go heavy portal this cycle, much like FSU did this past cycle. 
And I do think there's going to be a whole lot of guys, you know, recruiting wise, who were in that sort of, let's say, 350 to 600 range as far as national ranking. You know, you think about that, they're going to have fewer options than, than they normally would. Some of them will have far fewer options than they would normally have. And if, that, if that's the case, if that comes true, like I think it will, the bottom of your class is going to look a hell of a lot better than it normally would. Normally, the bottom of your class is going to have some guys ranked, you know, 800 in the nation, 1,000 in the nation, that range. I think now the bottom of your class is going to have a lot more guys who are ranked 550, 575, 600, 625. That's going to give you a shot to have a, a top 10 type class. And no, you probably won't have a million five stars in this class or a million top 100 players. But you're getting a lot more guys who have an actual chance to contribute and play based on what the odds say about how likely recruits are to turn into something. So I totally see where Josh is coming from on that. On Twitter, people called him out and compared that to what we'd heard about uh, with Tennessee last cycle. And I actually pulled up an article that I wrote on Tennessee last cycle that I got a whole bunch of crap for. And I, in reading it, I should have doubled down harder. I was exactly right. I, now, I did not anticipate that they were going to you know, basically say their whole staff was cheating and, and use that as, as a reason to fire them for cause so they could avoid paying buyouts. That I missed on that. But ultimately, I was like, look, they don't have the staying power for this. They're not going to finish number two in the country. They're not going to finish top five. They probably will have one of their better classes in a while if you know if they can have a decent year on the field. However, Vegas has their over-under at like six and a half, so that's a little questionable. And then COVID happened, and so they played conference-only only schedule and had a bunch of other difficulties, obviously. But it's not that far-fetched to think that FSU could sign a top 10 class. And – Thus, I totally understand why a lot of the media out there is picking up on this, even if they're picking up. I don't know if they know why they're picking up on it. They just know that prospects that are well-regarded are giving FSU the time of day uh, in large numbers. And I think part of that, man, is just that FSU is giving these prospects the time of day because FSU has the bandwidth via having the available scholarships to give them more attention than other, pro than other programs do. And I think other programs are still really trying to figure out, hey, is this kid a take for us? And to some extent on the margins, FSU is still trying to figure that stuff out too. I don't want to pretend like they are not. But there's a whole lot more kids that they know are yeses on their board because they have the spots. They're going to go ahead and give those spots. So we talk on here all the time, and I, I know I'm kind of going another rant here, but how often do we say, hey, they're in a long-term rebuild because they fired two or they made two coaching changes in a three-year span? in the early signing period era. And that just basically is going to sink you for a while. And that's still true because the attrition is going to, going to rock you for quite some time. And they're going to have a ton more attrition coming too in about two years, ultimately because of the, the classes they're about to stack on each other. But, uh, you know, think about this. Excuse me. Sorry. I'm, I'm about to sneeze. That's, that's not great for podcast <laughs> for podcasting. Um, man, they have these spots in part because they've had so much attrition in the past couple of years due to all the turnover with all these sort of, you know, two week classes that you put together that are not, not going to amount to anything. Norvell's first class, which won't be a damn thing. 
Willie's first class, which won't be anything, and then obviously a transition class that you had with with a new coaching staff coming in. You had all those kids transfer out, and you had to really fix it with the portal the last two years. It has created more space for high schoolers than most schools have. Honestly, a lot more than most schools have. And I think they might be in a position to clean up if they can have a decent year on the field. So also, we, I think the reason why Josh said that is probably because he, I think they record Wilt Fong's Whip Around, which is a video series you guys should watch on 24-7 Sports on Tuesdays. So he often tweets things that he uh, just spoke with Steve Wolfong about uh, that Tuesday morning. Good reflection of, uh, of, of where that came from, uh, possibly. Hey, look, and if Steve Wolfong is, uh, is positive about the direction that Florida State recruiting is going in, that's probably a uh, good sign in and of itself. Uh, one final thing that we just wanted to touch base on real quickly, and we may ultimately end up splitting these into two podcasts tonight, but uh, we can kind of make that call on the fly, but did want to note that Richard McCullough uh, was officially named as the new president of Florida State. McCullough is the uh, gentleman that was a provost at uh, Harvard. Uh, by all accounts, the three candidates at Florida State ultimately uh, reviewed were uh, the broader community as a whole were pretty excited about it seemed. Um, and then I know that uh, the three people that I've talked to today, uh, you know, Florida State as a university uh, as a whole is, is uh, exceptionally excited about Adam McCullough and uh, the, the university has gone to places that, you know, many had a hard time predicting 10 or 15 years ago, as far as where it's national perception is. And uh, very excited to see what that, uh, continues to look like and the opportunity that uh, McCullough ultimately hopefully takes advantage of. Yeah. I mean, I, I really don't have a whole lot to add on McCullough on a sports podcast, but people I spoke with generally seem pretty, you know, pretty happy with the hire and they don't think he's going to be somebody who is trying to masquerade as an athletic director. And uh, I, they do think that he has some appreciation for sports. That's basically what I got. I didn't really dig a whole lot further on it because like the answers I was getting weren't like, Hey man, I'm worried about this or like, Hey man, this is going to be incredibly awesome. This guy's going to, going to rocket football to the next level or tank it. Like it's just sort of a, probably like what 99% of your university presidents out there do, which is like not interfere with athletics too much in, in either direction. That's what, that's certainly what you hope. And uh, you know, I think too many people made extrapolations based off this one example that happened with the, University of Utah and Florida, and, uh, Florida, you know, it is exceptionally rare that somebody comes with a, an AD in mind or an idea is the direction they want to go in. Uh, I just think that, uh, you know, you certainly aren't in all likelihood going to pluck somebody out of Harvard 16 months from now and put them at the uh, athletic director spot or anything else like that. So, uh, yeah, it will be fascinating to see how he does. Best of luck to him and uh, a fun, exciting time for Florida State University as a whole. All right, uh, where do you want to go now? We're about, what, an hour in? Yeah, about an hour in. Uh, we can, you know, jump into listener questions here. We can cut this, make it its own unique episode, uh, whatever your preference is. Let's take uh, a couple, and then maybe we'll do a little shorty uh, episode later in the week where, where we take the rest of these questions. I do want to get to them. There's some pretty interesting ones. There are some good ones, and the questions are brought to you tonight by Congruity. Uh, great people that we've been ever so fortunate to work with for about eight, uh, seven, eight months now, I believe. Uh been fantastic partners to some of the listeners of the Nolcast. Uh, you can go to congruityhr.com, find out more from a web presence perspective. Uh, just a 
kind of first in class service that you received from from Matt and our friends uh, as far as they've got all the tools and the technology that you need to be successful, uh, but really uh, give you some you know, level of service that is is found with a, a smaller business. They're uh, exceptionally concerned about how you do, and they want to make sure that you're able to uh, have as, as optimal a business as possible, and they're great people to go about that path. So Matt Lewis can be reached, Knowles at hcongruityhr.com, N-O-L-E-S at congruityhr.com, or via telephone, 844-247-4100. All right, so a couple questions here. Most of these come via our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nolcast. Also, you can reach us on Twitter at Nolcast, email at Nolcast at gmail.com, uh, Instagram, Nolcast. Kind of sensing a theme here. We, we, we claimed all of our names. We're not on TikTok, so maybe someday we will be. Probably not. Uh, and we also don't have a Facebook, but who knows? Maybe someday. Uh, unsurprisingly here, actually, no, the first question will not come from Kessna, but we will get to Kessna's questions tonight. And honestly, he sent three good ones and we're going to combine those. But the first one I want to take tonight, uh, let's take Austin's. Austin writes, uh, speaking of the porter, speaking of the portal, historically, there has not been a prize for second place in recruiting. But in, tor- in terms of the transfer portal, do you think uh, this will change? This is actually a really good question. I'm, I'm glad Austin asked this. I think he's onto something here because for the most part, these portal kids you get are kids with whom you had a prior relationship of some type. Now, I don't know that FSU had a prior relationship with Kane Madden. If they did, they didn't tell me about it. So that's probably just a, Hey, we have a reputation for really, really needing uh, <laughs> offensive linemen and, uh, and you you play offensive line and we'll start here immediately. So come on down. But a lot of these kids, FSU was involved in recruiting in some form or fashion. And I do think that establishing that relationship, having the kid remember who you are, that he liked your school, uh, definitely will help you down the line. So I do think there, there is a prize for second place. Now, the downside of this is you need to make sure you don't have all your eggs in one basket and the high school recruiting thing, because if you miss, then you don't have good backup plans. You absolutely have to... Uh, you know, to have quality backup plans. But uh, yeah, I think don't you think he's on to something here? And especially geographically where FSU is, you know, where Miami, where Florida, UCF, those type of schools are. If you're in a big metro area or an area that produces a whole lot of talent like the state of Florida, yeah, man, finishing second for a kid, especially if he's from Florida and he's one of these dudes who goes out of state, not the worst thing in the world. No, not the worst thing in the world. And what I imagine will happen, if not has happened, uh, is that you'll, I mean, basically, you know, we've talked at length about recruiting basically being sales. Uh, And what you do, or might I suggest what you should do, is that, uh, you know, you just put in various checkpoints with this kid. Hey, look, if you lost that offensive tackle at a Lake City to Nebraska, then uh, maybe four months from now, you're going to check in with a mentor. Maybe eight months from now, you're going to check in with mom. It just means that you don't let a kid necessarily fully fall off your radar and you still have touch points with some of these prospects uh, that, you know, you either immediately think could end up being a portal kid or just somebody that you want to monitor over the time and, uh, you know, continue to have, um, you know, back of the mind. And, And if something comes to fruition that you're one of the, first couple people that's given consideration. Uh, although Ingram, I do think it might be tampering 
to continue to have contact with those folks. Uh, well, unless you're this contacting is a, them a, an unofficial reasons. manner, and maybe you have somebody, uh, you know, check in that doesn't necessarily wear a university polo or anything else like that. But you're right. We do have to operate within the rules as they are written, bud. And we're, we're big on no tampering around here. No tampering. Yeah. And if some kid who you don't want reaches out to you, immediately report it especially if he's not in the portal and he's trying to reach out because then you could catch a tampering charge when you don't want to uh we for are, a kid you have uh, no interest in yep. uh, in, in taking no interest in getting slapped with a tampering tag around these parts so <laughs> yeah do not get tampering for sure uh but look every school is engaged in some sort of tampering i'm relatively certain whether or not their staff even knows it maybe some of their shadow staff is taking care of that but it's uh it's just part of what it is you can't, you can't in good faith argue that you need to have a division within your football program that is continuing to monitor how players are doing at other schools and not like as far as on the field and not think that you're also monitoring how they're feeling about the playing time that they're receiving at other schools. So, yeah, definitely checking in with those high school coaches, with the parents, with the seven-on coaches, the trainers, the handlers, you know, the brothers, cousins, uncles, sisters, whomever. Um, is always going to happen. And I think it's, this is just kind of coaches complain season, right? Like they text you, they are tired of this kind of thing. And then, <laughs> you know, like you, you engage them. And then if you get enough of them, you write a story on it, I guess, but this is absolutely like with, with name, image and likeness going into effect with the transfer portal, with, with that kind of stuff. And with, with visits opening up, this is prime. Like coaches complain about things are actually paid to handle season. Uh, funny. funny. You want to take you want to take Kesta? Yeah. So Kesta has a couple questions for us. It's exciting to see that Kane Madden, an elite guard, has a legitimate interest in Florida State. Hashtag Caden Madden to tally. Let's pretend we land Madden. Uh, would adding an elite guard to pair with uh, Gibbons have a meaningful impact uh, on your win projection? Uh, I. I'm going to think that Kesna was just throwing the number out that he does hypothetically. Uh, would we be better off adding an average ACC level tackle or could one of the big three of Gibbons, Madden or Love Taylor kick out to tackle and make an impact? Uh, would, Dar- would Dante Lucas uh, potentially transfer or is uh, Lucas uh, become the rare new college athlete that's uh, willing to battle for a starting job? So, <clears throat> Kesson has a couple questions within the question. Uh, I think we acknowledged earlier that, yeah, there's a chance that Dante Lucas could transfer. I mean, it's, you know, been touch and go uh, with him at times. And by all accounts, things are in a pretty positive place. But if that's a kid that, uh, you know, looks around and sees snaps all but gone, at least from his perception, wouldn't shock me to see him uh, jump in the portal. Yeah. I, I think obviously you want to foster a culture of competition which is going to be really important. But if K Madden comes here, he's going to start. And that's going to leave the other guard position open. And that will be Dante Lucas versus Gibbons. And maybe some other folks. So that's a little – unless one of them can, can snap better than we realize. So we'll have to see how that goes down. But K Madden's not coming here to set the bench. And that would be uh, – yeah, so, so that, that would be – obviously a big thing. I think we kind of addressed some of these questions to, to open the show actually. So I'm going to, let's go, let's kind of cherry pick them a little bit to the extent we didn't already get to them. Uh, no, I would definitely not impact uh, or not project a 10 win season. Uh, for example, I think he was kidding as well uh, with, with the addition of, of an offensive guard in Caden Madden. If they got Cam Newton, 
Would you pick FSU to win 10 games if they had Cam Newton against the schedule? Uh, I'd, I'd have a hard time getting there. I really would. I mean, I believe that Cam was the most dominant college player that I've seen. Um, yeah. And maybe, yeah, maybe just line up and have him pick up six yards of carry. I don't know. Uh, but maybe, but I'd probably go under. So if I'm not going to pick Cam Newton to, to be a five win difference in projections, I'm certainly not going to do so with Kane Madden. Does this guard uh, get you there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I understand. I, no, no, but I, I, I think, I think we get with Kesson's point there, but I do think it could be the difference giving better pass protection, giving you know better run blocking in some of these swing games that are very important. So you know, NC state, Boston college, Louisville, um, Wake Forest, Wake Forest. Right. And, you know, and then maybe one of Notre Dame, on opening night or, or Miami, depending on how Miami looks. I think Miami has potential to be really, really damn good, but I also think they have potential to be, you know, not quite as good as they were last year, depending on how things go. And their defensive line, I don't think will be as good as it was last year, uh, mainly because I just don't think they're going to keep replacing all these NFL draft picks year after year after year up front, you know? So, um, man, I, I got to, Ultimately, I think that's that's where you really find the value here. Does Kane Madden prevent you from getting blown out by Clemson or or in the swamp? I don't know. I mean, do, does he help you maybe beat North Carolina again? Possibly, but you just what you really need to do is you need to pick off one of those five games that we talked about, and then you know hold your own in those more coin flip type games. Uh, I also think if you're pitching to Dante Lucas, it's like, look, man, you still have what three years of eligibility left, right? You've been hurt. You've been out of shape at times. We've had some maturity issues. Fight for your job. You're still got plenty of playing time. Guys get banged up at this position all the time. And, uh, you know, like, you're still very much in line to be a multi-year starter if you keep improving and working. It'd be fascinating to see what happens to Lucas uh, if this comes to fruition. I do think that there's something there and a, a guy that uh, you've seen some positive flashes from. Uh, obviously, I want the best for uh, for all kids that uh, sign Florida State, but it would you know it would be a quite defeat for Lucas if uh, if he was able to make it work here, stay on, grab a degree, and get himself in a place to uh, to be a professional. So uh, best of luck to him, whatever his decision is. And obviously we're being kind of presumptuous based here off uh, a kid making a decision that is, you know, by no means officially been made at this point in time. Uh, second question from Kesna is uh, if Madden does choose Tallahassee as a place to finish his career, how much of an impact do you think the social media campaign had on this decision? Um, appropriately so. Do you feel recruits gauge fan bases by their social media activity? And does a fan base who's posting uh, negative things have a chance to drive uh, recruits away? I mean, certainly that can happen. I mean, that that can be selectively used as uh, in negative recruiting and things like that. I mean, uh, screenshot it for sure yeah, at times. Yeah, I mean the 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 answer is yes. Uh, but there's you know there's negative 
selectively wildly pessimistic folk in every fan base in the world out there. And you could certainly find that if you look hard enough. Yeah. I, I do think that the campaign, uh, I doubt, I very much doubt it convinced him to come, but it probably, if it does work out, I think the narrative will probably be like, Hey, it definitely got his attention more to get, to give him a really hard look and, and make him know how much he's wanted it in, in Tallahassee. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you made Cam Kane Madden a national trending matter on Twitter for ever so briefly. That's uh, kind of an interesting thing to do from a college football fan base. So hats out to you there. Uh, those of you who are engaged in such uh, social media activity and in some way you may have played a pretty significant role in Florida state getting in front of this kid. Uh, third question is I was wondering if the rules make it possible for a recruit to break uh, their NLI prior to arriving on campus. Could a 2021 recruit who thought they were a shoe in to start change their mind after seeing someone transfer in at their position? Could that recruit uh, transfer without ever arriving on campus and be immediately eligible for the 2021 season somewhere else? Uh, could you please educate me about this part of the process? Yeah. So, uh, okay. Can they break their, their national letter of intent prior to arriving on campus? Yes, but they are not immediately eligible uh, to play at other schools in year one, I believe, despite the, the immediate transfer thing, because they were not actually enrolled at that school. I, I believe that that's how that works. Now, I can check on that. I don't think we've had any instances of that. However, Kess and I will note that for the most part, if a kid doesn't want to go where he signed, it is usually – not because somebody took a transfer at a position, at least not any instances in which I can remember. It is almost always a situation in which a coach got fired over the summer because he, you know, paid for strippers with a university credit card, like happened to Alabama about 20 years ago or 25 years ago. If you guys want to look that up, roll uh, Todd, roll baby. That, that was in Florida, right? Oh, it's rolling. It. it yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I believe that's exactly what he said. But yeah, yeah, it was in Pensacola uh, or somewhere in Panama that part City of Beach, Florida. I think, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, maybe Pensacola, um, maybe Panama City, right, right there in that stretch of stretch of area. Yeah. So, uh, in those cases, or if you have like a sick family member or, or anything like that, typically the school will initially fight it. You're released from, from the letter of intent because if you want to be immediately eligible, typically you need to be released from the letter of intent by the prior school and allowed to sign another one or just enroll somewhere else. They'll typically fight it. But nowadays in the social media era, for the most part, forcing kids who are not employees of yours to not have freedom of movement is just not a great look. And these schools almost always relent and let the kid go somewhere else because it's not a great, it's just not a good situation. Hey man, we know you really don't want to be here. We're going to force you to be here. What? Like that, mm -hmm. who who benefits there? You, the school, and sometimes if they suspect tampering, there's that word again. Then yeah, there can be some some schools that hold out a little more. But uh, for the most part, they're going to release the kid if he really, really wants out, and he has the the smarts to to take the social media and and say, hey, the school's not letting me out. We we saw this by the way with a couple kids who signed with Tennessee this last year because they fired their coach following the early signing period. 
Yeah, interesting process. The the only other time I would add is that sometimes you see that as if there's a you know outside involvement in a kid's recruitment. Maybe a maybe a handler who uh, had a brief rule over things in February. Like this is more kind of the traditional recruiting calendar. You know, somebody comes in, gets a gets kind of control of the situation briefly in February. Kid makes a decision by the end of April. Kid does not want to go to school at said place and. Uh, that would would be an interesting situation. I believe there's been some interesting. Uh, I have to go back and look at this, but from a historical standpoint, didn't Corey Simon sign with Georgia and then transferred before ever getting on campus? I mean, there there have been a couple Ooh. things way back when uh, that transpired that are kind of a interesting look at from a historical standpoint. I actually so. don't know on that. That's that's very interesting. I, I was not aware of that. Yeah, one of um, our listeners will probably be pretty familiar with that. I believe he signed with Georgia and, and transferred uh, immediately or something like that. So uh, interesting situation that occasionally pre- presents itself in a recruit's decision. I'll tell you what, we have, what, seven questions left? That's basically a show. Let's go ahead and table this. Maybe we'll cut one tomorrow evening. Maybe we'll cut one Thursday morning and release it over the weekend. We'll see. Guys, really appreciate your continued support of the Nolcast. Thanks for keeping us number one. And uh, we love being there. We love y'all's support. And we love talking about FSU. So, as always, uh, man, enjoy it. And let me remind you, bud, there's more than one way to skin a cat. cat. (laughs) All right, man.